2: Twitter has put in place a poison pill to try to sabotage Elon Musk's efforts to try to buy the platform. But still, some Republican lawmakers see this bid for Twitter as an antidote to what Republicans think is censorship of conservatives on the platform. Congressman Jim Banks urging Musk to at least use his influence as a large shareholder to make changes to the platform, writing this, I urge you to advocate for revising Twitter's content policy to allow all speech that is both lawful and fact- Actually, accurate. Prohibiting true statements is systematic lying, and Twitter's dishonesty has seriously damaged the company's image.
3: That is Hillary Vaughn of Fox Business Solid Report right there. And so, what is Twitter's first move with Elon Musk getting real about bringing free speech to the platform? We got to do everything we can as a corporation, as a board of directors. Not to uphold the fiduciary responsibility we have to our shareholders. Not to provide for the original intent of that platform, which was the dissemination of information, the sharing of ideas and conversations. You know, things that might go along with free speech. No, it is to do everything we possibly can to silence Elon Musk. So we can continue to silence people like you. The lawsuits will soon be flying because there is no doubt, but what Twitter has done here is a violation of the fiduciary responsibility. Because at a minimum, even if they're going to make the case that, hey, you know, our share price is worth more than Musk offered, to not even take his offer seriously before putting in, as Hillary called it, the poison pill, preventing Elon or anybody. From being able to acquire a majority stake. It shows what they're all about. And by they, I'm not just talking about the board of directors at Twitter. You know, for a long time, you've had many people that have wondered, how is it that a CNN can go on with just a few hundred thousand viewers a day? Are they losing a ton of money? The answer is yes. Yes, they are. But they're owned by woke corporations that view that as, I don't know, a political contribution of sorts. They'll use it as a loss within their operation because they're down for the cause and they believe in it. And so news operations been corrupted for decades at this point, just getting worse with time within the construct often of the public marketplace where you have these boards that are supposed to be creating as much value for their shareholders as possible. It's illegal. It is a breach of responsibility. But it's also really instructive because the difference is with a company like Twitter, it's a pure play. So now you can see, not within the confines of a much larger entity, what's real and what isn't. This is Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin, on this Good Friday, this Passover, which have some things to say about that as well. I've had yet another incredible experience today, something I am beyond blessed to have experienced yet again. For all the bad things there are in this society, we have so many wonderful people. And I believe that right now there is an awakening of sorts, not by the woke people, but by people that are reachable, that are really waking up. It's going to help turn this country around. But anyway, uh, I am the host of the Morning Rush WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mud Show WIOD in Miami. It is truly an honor and a pleasure. Every opportunity I have to guest host for the great one, Mark Levin. You may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on the aforementioned Twitter. It's ironically enough, Twitter it was about three years ago One when I, I was guest hosting this show. And I had some listeners that say, hey, Brian radio is still you. And it's like, yeah, why? they like, you're not verified anymore. It's like, oh, and I went there and I wasn't. And so I reached out to Twitter, never heard anything. Just become became unverified for a couple of years. And then magically I was re-verified again. Not exactly sure whatever happened. But that's kind of the way that the very woke Twitter operates, right? They minimize voices, they manipulate, they do what they see fit because they want to control thought, they want to control voices. As Project Veritas has identified over the course of time, they engage in practice like shadow banning. And naturally, that's why they do not want Elon Musk undoing what they have worked so hard for so many years to put into place. But anyway, you can uh, catch me at Radio on Twitter, on Parlor at Get her at as well. And I'm going to get into the wokeness, the culture, and what's been eating at our society. Being in South Florida, I'm from the land where you can still say gay, contrary to much of the popular reporting. Where you can even be homosexual still if you want to. I mean, even in school. I know it's crazy, right? It's because in that particular piece of legislation. Literally, the word gay was never mentioned. And then you have to be some kind of sick, disgusting freak. And I mean that with absolute sincerity. Sick, disgusting freak to think that sexual orientation, sexual education discussion of any kind is appropriate for kids in kindergarten through third grade. For all the people who wanted to make that argument understand. That's exactly what they were arguing for, because literally Florida's law. And who knows, maybe even tonight I'll read the effective part on air. You know the other joke about this, the the whole what critics call the don't say gay bill, the parental rights and education law in Florida? You know how many pages it was? Barely more than six. And by the time you got the procedural stuff out, what actually was in the law? Three pages. That's it. Three pages. Anybody who could take five minutes could read it which gives you an idea of all the woke corporations like Disney and the others that have engaged in various types of boycotts and pledges to repeal. They couldn't even be bothered taking five minutes out of their day to read the truth. But if they read the law, then they couldn't lie about it at least as easily, right? It's so wrong to, to say that you uh, are, are going to minimize those who are, are gay in the classroom. But what the law actually states is that there is not to be sexual education in K through third grade, not of any kind. It does not specify anything to do with one's sexuality. And then it needs to be age-appropriate after third grade. Age-appropriate? You mean we shouldn't go straight into sexual education? The nitty gritty at, at nine years old. How dare for to do something like that? And that's just how corrupt your godless, soulless, and slanderous news media happens to be, and just how woke and so far gone from a point of morality, so many corporations happen to be. So there's something that we have going on that's that's quite good in a lot of ways. The free state of Florida. A lot of things that happen here make sense. We export a lot of good things. As our governor, Ron DeSantis, said earlier today, we are the number one state for fighting back against President Biden. I know some other states will want to argue that point, but it's hard to argue from a policy standpoint that any governor in the country has done a more effective job at combating said president, and creating a sense of freedom that's allowed us to prosper. It's really a whole different world has been all throughout the course of the pandemic down here. But there is one bad thing that we have exported from South Florida, and that is the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Kitaji Brown Jackson happened to be born and raised in Miami. And unfortunately, we have given her to you. We all will end up dealing with her. And as I'm talking about the law as it pertains to violations of the fiduciary duty at Twitter and how corporations will play fast and loose with the rules, it matters, obviously, the Supreme Court, the direction it's going. And one of the oversimplifications, as it pertained to Brown Jackson, aside from the obvious, because you know she did have the most important qualifications, right? She was a black woman, because I mean that was always what MLK wanted, right? He said, "Yeah, look, we really want to judge people by the color of their skin." I don't know if you remember his dream, but that, yeah, most most definitely what Dr. King was. So anyway, with the most uh, important qualifications in any Supreme Court justice, black woman, but. Beyond that, it's not just that she is a, quote, liberal justice. Talk about the liberal and the conservative wing at the court. Yeah, Breyer, a liberal justice. Okay, fine. But there are variations of liberals within the court. And once she takes the bench, you will have a court that moves to the left. It is not trading a liberal for a liberal, so to speak. It is trading much more than that. And on this Good Friday, on this Passover, as we head towards Easter weekend, it also hits her position that she's coming into in the court and some of her testimony from her hearing at the foundational principles that have led to woke culture. She will easily and demonstrably be the hardest left justice our court has seen because she's the first one that is willing to literally deny God. I'm going to come to that point about KBJ, wokeness, what's on the line with speech, with woke culture, with the way that they are attempting to corrupt our kids and why they were fighting so hard against Florida's new law and parental rights and education. You know, the the best argument could have been, oh, you don't need that because we're, we're not teaching sex ed under the age of eight. That wasn't the argument, was it? No, they, they went for, for the big lie. And you have to think why, because obviously it was happening. Kind of like critical race theory in the classroom, right? A lot of conservatives just woke up during the pandemic to the fact, oh, my gosh, that's what what's going on in the classroom, because you saw it through the whole remote learning debacle. So just as critical race theory in various ways had been making its way into our classrooms, into our kids' heads for many years, so, too, has the perversion of our kids and the whittling down of morality in our society. And there is no greater ambassador of that than KBJ. So I'm going to pick up there next. I'm Brian Mudd, and for The Great One. Mudd Lovin'.
0: Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket Constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Hurry. They've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
3: If they do, then they can't suppress the Hunter Biden story. Then they can't kick President Trump off of Twitter. Then they can't throttle back Republicans who are trying to fundraise on these big tech platforms, who are trying to get out their message. They can't do all the things that they want to do. Yeah, Jim Jordan making the case for why Twitter is willing to violate the fiduciary duty they have to their shareholders, why the board not running to consider the Elon Musk offer which was well above the valuation of the company prior to his offer. No, not to, to take that into account, but to try to do everything possible to prevent Elon Musk from acquiring Twitter, to provide more value to their shareholders, but also to provide a platform for freedom of expression. Heaven forbid. And Jim Jordan just laid out the case as to why. It is about control. It is about limiting speech. It is about deciding what's most relevant and what isn't. Who is going to gain exposure and who is not on that particular platform. And as we take a look at what's at stake, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin is talking about our next Supreme Court justice. And on this Good Friday on this Passover, heading towards Easter weekend. What's at stake in this country from a point of our founding? Give you an idea, because what we saw with those votes in favor of Kintanji Brown Jackson, each of those votes for her, it wasn't just a bad vote. It really is a bad joke. Life is complicated. Many people spend much of it seeking the meaning of it, right? But being woke, it leads to all kinds of bad votes. Many of those votes, they lead to bad jokes. And those bad jokes have a really significant way of complicating life, starting with birth, for example. For the whole of human history, no later than at the time of birth, a determination has been made about the gender of a baby, right? This is not a complicated thing. That's because there really are only two genders. No matter how woke, you can make someone as woke as they want to be. There really are only two genders. The science has been decided on this, dating back to creation, which is important. Creation is extraordinarily important. Not in just this particular weekend, but actually from a point of founding our country, our foundation. So, when you have somebody who suggests multiple genders, variations of life based upon a manufactured morality, it's something that begins to deny the premise of this country. So those Bad votes. There were 53 of them in the United States Senate, to be exact. And predictably, news coverage of the vote of Kentonji Brown-Jackson been widely positive, focusing, again, on all the most important characteristics that we look for in that Supreme Court justice. As Biden laid out, it is gender. And I'm going to revisit the irony of that one in a moment. The, because remember, had to be a woman and that we have a black person. A black woman. So, very interesting the description of said candidate, very interesting who the candidate is, and what they're about, and what they're going to do to this country.
0: Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free, pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to LevinForHillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Harry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at LevinForHillsdale.com. That's L E V I N for Hillsdale.com. This
1: is the show the New York Times is afraid of. Mark Levin, call him now at 877 381
3: On the heels of Elon Musk's $41 billion bid to acquire social media giant Twitter, federal regulators have ramped up their probe of the controversial billionaire. People with knowledge of the matter say the Justice Department and the Securities and Exchange Commission have launched a joint investigation into Musk's management, mainly of Tesla, the popular electric car company founded that made him the world's richest man, worth approximately $260 billion. The probe is said to focus primarily on Musk's reporting of electric car vehicle sales in recent years, and other possible accounting improprieties. It also could include his actions in trying to mount a takeover of Twitter and whether his intentions were properly disclosed. Musk had no comment, as did the SEC and DOJ. The venerable Charles Gasparino Fox Business on that report. Wow. Okay, so now we have, going on today, Twitter racing to their board to make votes to put in a poison pill To prevent Elon Musk from being able to buy the company. An absolute violation of their responsibility to their shareholders. A fiduciary violation. Which, by the way, if any type of investigation should be taking place, perhaps it should start there. And no doubt the lawsuits will be flying against Twitter. And they deserve them. From the shareholders that are being denied value. Because of their corrupt decision to... Want to create a platform where they decide what's relevant. They decide what speech should be shared. They decide who gets suspended, deplatformed. But then, on back of this, how corrupt is the Biden administration? At the same time, that's going on, the feds ramp up the investigation on Elon Musk over Tesla? You see what goes on here. They're trying to destroy Elon the exact same way they tried to destroy Trump. Tear him to. How dare you? How dare you come into our world and try to change what we've got going on here? Because you see the unholy alliance beyond what you, the, the facade they put up there, the political donations. The donations in kind by algorithms at Twitter and other social media companies, all of it working in conjunction with one another. So, yes, now they are trying to Trump Elon Musk. And speaking of the Justice Department, I was talking about our next Supreme Court Justice, Ketaji Brown-Jackson. And I think her significance, especially on this particular weekend, with it being Good Friday, Passover, and an Easter weekend is especially insightful. By the way, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. So I was talking about Ketanji Brown Jackson, ironically enough, being identified by the president of the United States as a woman. Because again, we had to have a black woman. And so the first thing I will point out Is that in 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. expressed what in his dream? He said that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Obviously, that day is not today. And it seemingly is getting farther away by the day. Which, as an aside, take away... The Marxist origins of a Black Lives Matter, for example. Even if it were a more altruistic organization, the very premise of having race at the forefront of whatever is, is completely contradictory to what Dr. King said his dream was. And have you noticed something about our society? What happens every time? We put race first. Do we become a more cohesive society or is there more division? You know, it's almost like Dr. King knew something. It's almost like if we focused on content of character rather than color of skin, we might become more cohesive as a country, as a community, as a people. Funny how that works when we don't focus on the most superficial differences. But we continue to go the other way. So anyway, checking the box, we have Kintanji Brown-Jackson. It's not to say that she isn't qualified, perhaps, but just the identification by Biden alone was an indignity to her. Because even if she was the most qualified person for this particular job, well, she only received it after the President of the United States eliminated over 93% of the U.S. population. But here's the next piece of it. Unlike others in... News, you might say. I'm going to take Dr. King up on his dream. I want to evaluate the content of character of KBJ. So let's go back to the whole gender thing here for a second. The next Supreme Court justice was nominated on back of President Biden saying what? Well, saying that he would only consider a black woman for the Post. And... As far as a woman, who the heck is he? He's no biologist. Was KBJ pre-inspected by a biologist to determine her gender? I mean, after all, by her own definition, isn't that the only way to define a woman? I was talking just a bit ago about bad votes and bad jokes. That takes us to the, the bad jokes, portion of what I am talking about. A lot of what's been observed about KBJ's answer to Senator Blackburn's question about the definition of w- a woman, which, you know, just refresh. It was I don't know, I'm not a biologist. By her own definition, think of the absurdity of this one for a moment, every obstetrician who's ever said it's a boy or a girl, have they not spoken out of turn? They're no biologists. <laughs> These obstetricians, who are they? You need to be a biologist to know these things. And gender reveal parties? What kind of horrible, science-denying person are you exactly? And who exactly do you think you are as a parent to suggest that you might have a boy or a girl? Uh, You are most certainly no biologist, right? And see, this is where... You might begin to see all the implications of a Supreme Court justice who's on the record as suggesting only biologists can determine one's gender. But the biggest one isn't of a legal nature specific to gender. I've talked about Faith, talked about the relevance of this weekend in particular, and also how she has articulated something that represents an inherent contradiction with the founding of this country. It is the implicit denial of God and creation within her answer. According to Genesis, the Lord God then built up into a woman the rib that he had taken from a man. Who did God think he was? You have any record of God being a biologist? You see, to be woke and to play this gender fluidity game, it doesn't just lead to bad jokes. It's a direct denial of God and creation. The Declaration of Independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator. Creator, capital C endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The very freedom granted to us by our creator, as explicitly stated in our Declaration of Independence, has been denied by the next Supreme Court justice that is tasked with preserving it. That is how we know, above and beyond, the extent of how radical this particular person is. A fox is now guarding the hen house, once she ascends to the court. But all that is discussed is that a black woman, without any proven documentation that woman thing, I might point out, because I still have not seen any biologist depiction that, indeed, she's a woman. She certainly can't tell you. But anyway, that's what will be next on the Supreme Court. And so, yes, bad votes and bad jokes. That's ultimately what's happened here. And it is a direct denial of the founding of this country. And this is where political correctness comes into play in other ways that often are unseen. Talking about. The law here in Florida, what was so dishonestly called the don't say gay bill, which really is the parental rights and education now law and how there never was the word gay reference within it, but how you had such a concerted effort by the people who like to add letters to the political correct depiction for homosexuality these days. By the way, I mean, for the folks who are still catching up to the IA and then the the plus thing, you know, I, I think the new rule there is that you have to add like another letter every year and then you just do the plus because, hey, I mean, these things are obviously fluid. They change all the time. You know, people just make it up as they go. But anyway, the inherent... Dishonesty and the inherent desire to corrupt young children is implicit in what happened there. And I've got data because one thing I always do is dive into data on specifically what's been happening with our kids. Did you know that the most likely group of people in this country to say they're gay happen to be teenagers and at levels that are much higher than what we have seen with any other generation previous now referenced we just kind of became aware about what was happening in the classroom with the tenets of critical race theory which really even with critical race theory it's less about that that is a published work That is the foundation for so much. But it's more often like if there's going to be even a published work that's in your kid's school, it's going to be the 1619 Project. After it won a Pulitzer Award, the Pulitzer Center actually sent it into schools all across the country. They paid to get it into schools. Really good chance that it's in your kid's school. So anyway, but the same way that people are like, oh, my gosh, that's what's going on there. There's something else that's been going on there. And it has been the slow but systematic eroding of morality and perhaps introduction of things at a time in which a lot of kids are trying to figure things out that has actually started to net results in a very meaningful way. How meaningful? I'm going to break that down for you next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for The Great One. Mudd Lovin'.
0: Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free, pocket-sized Constitution right now, at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Hurry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
2: A silent partner in Putin's aggression, Xi Jinping's China is our greatest challenge. In many ways, the most profound test that CIA
1: has ever faced.
3: Yeah, if you actually want one encouraging thing that's happened with the Fed, CIA Director William Burns there. He was at Georgia Tech in identifying that China is the biggest threat, which, of course, China is Russia, is North Korea, is Iran, is Cuba, is Venezuela, is Nicaragua, all interconnected. And it's also why Russia continues to be able to afford what they're able to do because of the in- that interconnectivity. And the fact that the only thing that's happened since the Ukraine war started involving China is what? An expansion of trade relations with Russia. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But Just one minor faith-restoring moment in a greater construct that is anything but good. Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. One of the things I was talking about with justice to be, Ketanji Brown Jackson, the sliding scale of morality and her direct denial of our country's founding with her answer of not being able to define a woman because she's not a biologist and pointing out a lot of the absurdity with that. I referenced that kids in particular are the most likely to identify as homosexual now. And, you know, what? It, well. Here's the information. According to a study from UCLA School of Law, those between the ages of 13 to 17 are the most likely to identify as homosexual and as transgender and at rates that are multiples above any other generation. You go, why might that be? Well, did you know that five states have actually mandated LGBT education in schools over the past day? California, Colorado, Illinois, New Jersey, and Oregon. It, It is a mandatory part of the curriculum in those states. And elsewhere, you have school boards across the country that have implemented it. So as I sit here in Florida with the parental rights and education law, that also states, in addition to not being a sick freak who's going to teach sex to kids between kindergarten and third grade. Parents also should know what's the actual education that's being taught. You see why the left was fighting so hard. Let's go to the phone. We got Benjamin at Edwards Air Force Base, and uh, thank you for your service. Welcome to the show. No, thank you. I'm a veteran, uh, no longer serving active duty, but uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, first-time caller, it was great. Um, I only wanted to say that uh, with her comment of she's not a biologist, that any ruling for trans support would need to be through a psychiatrist because biology would show chromosomes XXXY, uh, rendering her statement completely false on anything she wants to rule. Uh, Outside of that, I'll uh, listen to everything else off the air. So thank you very much. Brilliantly stated. That's exactly right. It's a tangled web that you weave. Once you enter that sliding scale of morality, once you begin to make things up as you go, because, again, the science has been decided. We just decided that we're going to do it differently now, all part of woke culture. We have just under a minute. Eric and Sam Fran go.
2: Yeah, very quickly, you're talking about uh, Dr. King's dream and uh, Black Lives Matter. Eisenhower said, beware the industrial complex. What we really have is also now beware the racial complex. It's all about how organizations get money. We saw that with Jesse Jackson. The trend continues.
3: So true. Great call. Well stated. And absolutely. Rather than noticing the progress that had been made post MLK and his dream, All we have had is people that have tried to use race to divide ever since. And often, yes, in the case of Jesse Jackson, profiteer by doing so. Obviously, as is the case with Black Lives Matter and the $6 million mansion. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin.
0: This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month.
1: Does this compromise the
2: national security of the United States? Do they have enough on them to get something out of a president of the United States? I can't answer that question.
3: Yeah, Chuck Grassley talking about the Hunter Biden investigation and that we even have those types of questions. In and of itself, I mean, we all know if this is a Trump story in the Trump kids, it is nonstop top story every single day always would have been going back to when the federal investigation began back in 2019 one of the things i'm going to get into in just a bit why we have the legacy news outlets that are finally starting to cover hunter biden but also if there really is any point so many of us have grown so cynical with the justice department and our system of justice generally anymore you wonder are congressional investigations of hunter biden And even things like COVID origins, are they of any use? Well, there was one thing that happened this week that, once again, was a little bit of a potential faith-restoring moment where there was an opportunity to shut down an element of the greatest conspiracy ever perpetuated in the United States. That involving the attorney... For the DNC and for Hillary Clinton back in 2016, that was funneling money for the Steele dossier. Sussman, when he was trying to get his case thrown out, you did have a judge that said it will move forward. Durham is still out there doing his work. We do have this impaneled grand jury. The investigation of Hunter Biden. One of the things that's interesting with both of those federal investigations, they both started under the Trump administration, right? And they're still going on to this day. So there's plenty of reason to be cynical, but there could still be faith restoring moments in there. And I, for one, still believe that at the end, there can be and there will be justice in this country. I've always fashioned myself as a realist who errs on the side of optimism. But I want to believe in this country, and there's still enough out there to show that for all the corruption, for all the, the feds are now investigating Elon Musk, coincidentally ramping up a federal investigation of him at the same time that Twitter is moving to block him from buying the company. You can see the threat that the Biden administration sees in Elon Musk as the censors on the left realize that he is a threat to what they are working on with the DNC it's all this unholy relationship between them there is enough out there to show us a path forward but we have a lot that we still are having to deal with in real time Brian Mudd in for the great one Mark Levin I host the Morning Rush WJNO in West Palm Beach the Brian Mudd Show WIOD in Miami it is truly an honor and a pleasure to always be here with you and in the first hour I ended up weaving a lot of the themes about my state of Florida and the farce that was the characterization of our parental rights and education law, fashioned as a don't say gay bill, into the sliding scale of morality by the next Supreme Court justice. The irony that you had the president of the United States saying that it had to be a black woman, but then the black woman. That he nominates when asked about the definition of a woman says that she can't provide it because she's not a biologist. I mean, all these things because they're literally just making up their own sense of morality on the go. But then you get into another dynamic that I hit on near the end of last hour, near the end of the first hour. And that is about what's been happening with our kids. It actually is the reason why Florida passed the parental rights and education law. It wasn't for nothing, or it wasn't as some have alleged that, oh, it's just that bad man DeSantis and, and those evil right wingers in, in Florida that, that really want to stick it to the LGBTQIA plus community. But you get into another dynamic, which is what really had been happening in the classroom. I reference that you have teens that are the most likely to identify as gay. And you start wondering why that might be the case. So here's the deal. One of the issues that goes into this entire argument, this story from a point of education, can we all agree that the appropriate age that, Any type of sexual discussions or education is going to take place outside of the house would be no sooner than puberty. So the first thing is the average age of puberty, 10 and a half for girls, 11 and a half for boys. Okay, And so that's why, in particular, Florida's parental rights and educational legislation said, hey, don't be a sick freak and try to teach sexual orientation or sex set of any sort to kids through third grade. And then the language stating it should be age appropriate beyond that because you're talking about within the law, an age of which I think reasonable people would say, yeah, we don't need to be doing that. But the conditioning, the conditioning had already been taking place. You see any educator, any activist who suggests that a, a child between the ages of five through eight needs to have sexuality discussions. To understand their true selves and that was the argument that they need to understand their their true selves at ages 5 through 8 their true selves. See that actually makes them science deniers because kids aren't even at the age yet where they would begin to have that type of understanding. But it speaks to the agenda of getting to kids in the classroom that have been happening in many places that is mandated under law in many states. So then you start taking a look at the perspective. One of the things I do, I'm always analytics-based. I talk about there being two sides to stories and one side to facts. We have perspective on homosexuality in this country. It's safe to say there has never been greater acceptance and willingness than today, right? So it's to be expected that overall study levels might be higher in today's society than in previous generations. And so I'm going to hit at this from a couple of different angles. Those who've identified as being homosexual and those who've actually engaged in homosexual behavior, which is no doubt the best barometer among adults. So you actually have the Alan Guttmacher Institute, which, by the way, they do work on identifying the number of abortions as well. But specific to homosexuality. They had a 10 year study. That showed 2.3% of men had engaged in some kind of homosexual contact over 10 years. 2.3% of men. 1.4% of women. Okay? Now, it is possible that some homosexuals never engaged in physical relationships. Same as is the case with heterosexuals. That said, it gives you a pretty good baseline, right? A real baseline of what we might be talking about. So... You average everything out, 1.9% of adults have engaged in some type of homosexual behavior. Then you start taking a look at how society is identifying now. So Gallup, they've sampled on this regularly over the past decade. If you go back 10 years ago, Gallup found 3.5% of adults identified as being homosexual. I just gave you the number. It's under 2% that actually engage in contact, and that was 10 years ago. You know what that number is today? we're up to 7.1% of adults who identify as LGBT. That is up nearly fourfold in a decade. Okay? Then you bring it into this study by the UCLA School of Law. You have 8% of the U.S. population that is between the ages of 13 to 17. You have 10% of the transgender population of the United States between the ages of 13 to 17. And as I mentioned, adolescents are the most likely of any group, any age. You cannot find another four year range of people that are more likely to identify as being homosexual or to identify as being transgender. And at rates that are now literally five times higher than actual homo- actual homosexual contact of adults. See what's starting to go on here? And this is kind of where the rubber meets the road with this entire debate, this entire culture war argument thing. Did something specific change with the human genome starting around, say, 2005? Or did this dramatic increase... And homosexual and transgender identity, even over those aged 18 to 22, did it become a product of something else? And I think any objective observer, when you put all the data together, can draw their own deductions based on this. And it not only supports the reason that we did what we did in the state of Florida, and I've seen many other states that are now taking up the legislation, why because, again, this has been happening in the classroom and at a young age, the conditioning. And you can begin to see what happens here with so many kids. How many kids are just, you know, kind of coming into things and kind of confused. And all of a sudden, you're being taught, in many cases, part of a curriculum about homosexuality. So you get experimental and you try things, right? And before you know it, bam, you see what you have going on here. And as an aside, nothing here is meant to be a slight To anybody who's homosexual. The difference is there is something that is exponentially different. That's happened just since around 2005 ish and has been growing. And again, we can pinpoint to where it's been mandated to be happening in the classroom in many states and then other school districts. A lot of times on this show. When I've had the opportunity to uh guest host for Mark then I've talked about education. It's something that Mark has done better than anybody in this country for some time, talking about how the education establishment has failed us in so many different respects. But just as critical race theory became a lightning rod and became a, a flashpoint where people went, whoa, that kind of stuff, we're teaching our kids to be racist and and to to view things through a, a prism of divisiveness from a young age? That's not the only thing they've been taught from a young age. And this is all part of why you now have the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States, who is so woke and is so entrenched in this agenda that she can't even tell you what a woman is because she's not a biologist. I'm Brian Mudd, and for The Great One. Mudd Lovin.
0: I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon 18 to or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say. Said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does, and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Had that story come out, and then now, two weeks ago, the New York Times came out and essentially admitted that what they did was wrong, and they came out of nowhere with that one, but it would have made a 17-point difference in the election according to the pollsters, the real pollsters.
3: Yeah, was Trump with Hannity earlier this week talking about the Hunter biden investigation if the truth had been told we're about to get into that i'm going to just tie up what i've been talking about as been discussing the culture war that's out there how it is represented by the next supreme court justice of the united states and how she actually outright denied our country's founding what stated in the declaration of independence by her answer on the question of what is a woman But I also want to talk, um, just to tie this up, with how she is set to move the court to the left as well. So how liberal has Justice Stephen Breyer been? You know, one of the biggest oversimplifications we do is say we have liberal justices and and conservative justices. We know they're all different, right? By the way, uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And. It was none other than Justice Breyer himself who said this last year with the whole core packing debate. He said, what goes around comes around. And if the Democrats can do it, the Republicans can do it. And that was what he said to oppose core packing. Obviously not a radical. We know that KBJ would not even travel down that path. That alone tells you, even on that specific issue, yes, you know she's going to be to the left of Breyer. But when you get into... The Supreme Court itself, the University of Washington Supreme Court database is amazing. They are an incredible repository of information for Supreme Court decisions over time. So being analytics based, I go to the scorecard. One of the things that surprises people, we do tend to think of the court in ideological terms more than it is. Uh, Did you know just a little fact over here? Over 70 percent of the Supreme Court's rulings are actually consensus rulings. It's just that it's the most controversial, the most prominent issues often that end up gaining attention. And that's where we see the ideological splits. But actually, most Supreme Court decisions are unanimous. But anyway, when you start getting into those that aren't and the ideological split of the court, if you take a look at the current court, we have voting records we can take a look at in overall decisions. And we know what justices are most likely to vote for what. The first thing is, The justice that is most likely just to vote for whatever is Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, you see that he's very much a which way is the wind blowing kind of guy. He has voted in the affirmative opinion. Ninety three percent of the time in the current court. The two justices least likely are Clarence Thomas and Sonia Sotomayor. They each have voted with the majority on decisions only forty nine percent of the time. When you start to get into this. You can start to see where it is on ideological decisions that the justices split. And to give you an idea, the ones most likely in order to vote with the majority, Kavanaugh, then Roberts, Coney Barrett, those end up being what appear to be the moderates, right? They go long to get along. Then you get into Gorsuch, 63% of the time, Breyer, 61%. Okay, so the net net of it is this, and I'll spare you the details. We have, in terms of overall decisions, when they're broken out ideologically, Kavanaugh, Roberts, and Barrett, they very much look like moderates that are right of center. Then you have four partisan justices, Gorsuch, Breyer, Kagan, and Alito. Then you have two highly partisan justices, Sotomayor Sotomayor and Thomas. And basically, those two are equal on opposite ends of the spectrum. But what you're doing is now taking a justice that is about 12% more conservative than the most liberal justice on the court, replacing with somebody who is far to the left of the most liberal justice. So, yes, you will see the Supreme Court move to the left when KBJ takes over. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin.
0: I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, 18 to your or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota, has to say. said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does, and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com. Find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code that's Levin Podcast, that's L E V I N Podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast.
1: The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877 381 3811.
0: First of all, we wouldn't have had the Ukraine situation with Russia, but we also wouldn't have China buying massive massive numbers, record-setting numbers of barrels of oil from Iran, which is making Iran very, very. You know,
3: that was one of the moments where I had some additional hope this year. We had polling at the onset of the invasion of Ukraine showing 62% of Americans like, yeah, you know what? Trump's president, Putin doesn't do this. It's one thing for Trump to say. It. It's another thing when most Americans actually realize that there is a lot to unpack there as well. We'll get into that. The Hunter Biden investigation first to tie up what I've been talking about with KBJ woke culture, what's been happening with the sexualization of our kids and various different related agendas now for quite some time in the classroom. Let's go to Cindy in Rocksville, Texas. Cindy, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. It's the first time I've called into any radio show.
3: Well, it's a pleasure to have you.
4: Thanks. Well, I was just wanting to talk about, you know, sexual education for children. And this is something just happened to me. I wouldn't have thought of it myself. But my son was, uh, started school in South Africa in a town called George. And at six years old, he came out of school one day and he said, guess what, mom? And I said, what, huh? He said, I was the strongest sperm. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? So was I. <laughs> and, uh, kind of shocked and dismayed and, uh, you know, over the next few days, we talked about it. And they had taught him within the context of married in a Christian household, because they they taught Christianity at school there. They taught him about insertion, penetration, and ejaculation. At, at six. six.
3: There you go. There you go. And, Cindy, um, appreciate the call, and, and that illustrates a point. There are so many things that have been happening in the classroom that we just never would have envisioned because maybe it wasn't taking place when we were in school or maybe just never to the level that is happening today. And you'll have some of these videos that come out every now and then, right? That that will go viral of what a a teacher has said or, or done in the classroom. That is just seemingly ridiculous. And I think because Some of those will go viral every so often. People perceive it to be that much of an outlier. The bigger question is, and this is to Cindy's point there as well, about talking with your kids. Oh my gosh, is it ever as important as it's ever been to be connected with your child's education, to understand what's really happening in the classroom? Because the idea of, you know, hey, we all want to think that our teachers are these wonderful, altruistic people. Look, the bottom line is, Wonderful teachers are worth their way to the gold. Where we have to have a get real moment, your average public school teacher is a member of the teachers union. The same teachers union who's 100% behind all of the sexualization of our kids starting from the time that they enter public education to the teaching of critical race theory. They're 100, the unions are 100% behind it. And you know, for some time, I've said flat out, look, you know, even if you are a good teacher, but you're a member of a teacher's union, you're part of the problem. And this is something we have to get real about. We have to stop taking a look at, at teachers, you know, for so long in this country. There's been this whole game of teachers being underpaid heroes, right? No amount of money you pay a teacher could ever be enough. And they have so much they have to deal with. And they educate our kids and are wonderful arbiters. Look, again, wonderful teachers worth their way in gold. But the problem is. With the majority of them being members of these teachers' unions, they aren't. They aren't. And if you're choosing to pay dues, even if you yourself in the classroom are not engaged in that activity, if you're paying for the people who do put that agenda into classrooms and fight for teachers to have the right, you are directly attributing to that issue. And so you need to know What's going on in the classroom with your kids? You need to know, frankly, the teachers, the teachers that are teaching your kids. Are they members of the teachers unions? If they are, they're part of the problem. And you really need to be skeptical at that point. That's all part of the get real moment here. Because, again, things are happening in the classroom at ages that we never would have imagined. And it's why, again, in my free state of Florida, we passed the parental rights and education legislation stating that, You are a sick freak. If you teach sex ed to kids between the ages of five and eight, you're a sick freak. Now, the law doesn't explicitly state that, but it makes it unlawful to to do that. Which I think you are a sick freak, like you're talking about a six year old. How sick do you have to be to teach that kind of thing? But again, the agendas are out there. The teachers unions are woke and most of our teachers are members of that uh, that, that construct, those unions Um, by the way, Trump, Twitter, talking about that in the first hour as well. As far as social media goes, I just want to work this one. Democrats, you ever wonder if they really are meaner? The answer is yes. This was kind of cool. So you had this Internet services company, Redact, that recently did a nationwide social media study. And what they wanted to find out is, all right. What animates people that post about stuff politically? And who's doing it because they really are just meaner? Well, it's not just the Twitter trolls. If it really seems like lefties generally on social are meaner, yeah, they are. And we have data on this now, too, because of this study that was done. So what they wanted to do was see who is it that is intentionally trying to incite negativity on social media. And they actually broke this down by state. It was interesting, like in my state. Of Florida they were actually the meanest in the entire country Democrats in Florida posting on social media the absolute meanest people by a margin of greater than two to one you have Democrats who are posting things to incite people and in, in this state uh, interesting then you take a look at the country as a whole Democrats are the most likely nationally to try to intentionally incite negativity with their social media postings and independents yeah they come in the middle and then republicans in most states so it's not your imagination democrats really are meaner but then if you think it, it really is understandable right because think of just how miserable you'd have to be to look at joe biden and think that guy's a winner i mean imagine being that person who wakes up every day and going yeah give me some more of that sweet joe biden action right I mean, you're going to be a, a pretty miserable person, I would think, by by definition. But, you know, for the left, the, the left they, they can take their solace, and there's still no Trump tweets, right? There are still no Trump tweets. They can hang their hat on that one. Let's go to Bill in Philly. Bill, go. Hey, how you doing? All good. Good to hear from you. Good. Well, you know, I think the sexualization of these children is is disgraceful. I, I know several years ago, if I was showing
2: that kind of material to my one of my daughters, I have five daughters. If I was showing that kind of material to one of my daughters, I'm for sure a teacher would would hear overhear that, and social services would be knocking on my door, wanting to know what's going on in that house. It's it's pretty uh, uh, intense that these kids are coming back with uh, that, like that woman just uh, described,
3: her uh, child coming in about. Uh, yeah, number well, one, Bill. You, I mean, you, you're you're right on point, and it, it is all part of how perverse this situation is. Because one of the things I was pointing out in the depiction of the answer from Brown Jackson is the legal component of this. It's not just a matter of her being so woke as to say, in so many words. Hey, and, you know, unless a biologist has diagnosed this individual, uh, who am I to say what a woman is? I'm no woman. I don't. I, I, I mean, she wasn't put in the spot. To say, are you a woman? I mean, uh, the the non-biologist commander in chief, actually, I guess, um, diagnosed her as a woman because he had to have a, a black woman to be the next Supreme Court justice. But there is actually a legal component in all this. And it begins to come together. We already know that the teachers' unions are part of this entire administration, right? I mean, the you literally had the American Federation of Teachers write CDC policy on masking for schools. We know that it's out there in the so they have a hand in policy that way. I think they don't also have a hand in policy when it comes to justice when you have a corrupt justice department or people that have been groomed under that same kind of wokeness. And so that's where it begins to enter the legal system as well. And so now suddenly you as a parent, you are not fit to raise your kids unless you view view things through the prison. It's our teachers, right? And if you're in a state like, you know, California, Colorado, what have you, they actually have this mandatory education, the mandatory education in school, let alone, you know, some of the school districts across the country that have it as mandatory curriculum, not just teachers are going off rogue on their own. If you aren't on board with that, are you even fit to be a parent? That's where this thing really takes that next step. Let's go to Mark in Los Angeles. Mark, welcome to the show.
5: Hi, I'm a teacher in California. and I just wanted to share a quick story where when I was in graduate school at Humboldt State, this was in 2002, Our program leader was a openly gay man, which, you know, at face value, we didn't, we didn't mind, but on the third day, there's a room of about a hundred of us. And he said, I'm going to introduce you to my boyfriend. So we're thinking, okay, what's this about? So he wanders in and he begins to kind of French kiss in front of all of us. And we're, we're thinking, what on earth? Even if the man was straight, you know, it's still kind of weird Sure, they're kissing their wife in front of us. And Correct. then he goes on to say, I don't care if you go to a kindergarten placement. You need to teach about gay issues even if they're five years old. So a number of us, you know, we're Christian and we kind of banded together and we said, what on earth? You know, this guy, he's going to have to sign our credential. We better, you know, do what we Get can on board. to complete history program. You got it. But I mean when how it happens. when I was a substitute teacher years ago, I, I I'm always watching vigilantly, you know, the kids on the playground and I heard the kids making fun of another kid. They said, Oh, so and so has two dads and then it's like, Well, no, we need to hit the brakes on this one and as soon as we got back from recess, that's a teachable moment. You say, you know, you gotta teach tolerance that this kind of stuff exists on earth but at the same time my feelings are we shouldn't raise one flag higher than the other. It's just should just be a basic kind of flyover thing, especially human sexuality. When you're talking about
3: you, well, you bring up so many good points, which is, you know, we went from a culture of, hey, you know, people feel like they have to be in, in the closet because society isn't uh, accepting to a pendulum shift to where. Remember, it was only about 10 years or so ago, maybe 15 now, to where you had Born This Way. I mean, Lady Gaga sung about being born this way, right? And so that was the whole thing, Born This Way. Well, now it's whatever you're born as uh, isn't even what you are, and you need a biologist to describe it. And so it's all part of you know the continued pushing of the envelope with whatever the particular agenda is. Real quick, I want to make sure we get Ashley in Memphis in here. Ashley, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, thanks. I just wanted to make a quick point. I am also a teacher, and um, there's a lot of things that my union does that I completely disagree with. But I would never not be a part of the union because of the legal protection they provide me in a very litigious, happy society.
3: I hear you. I understand you have to make the decision that's right for you. And I understand a lot of teachers in that have said similar things. And I appreciate Ashley that you're probably doing, you know, the right things in the classroom. It doesn't change the reality that those dues, in addition to providing the protections that you're interested in, those dues are also paying for all the other issues. And that's a personal decision. I'm not here to, you know, make that one for you, but that is part of the problem. And, you know, that this is the the bed we make. And uh, the question is, we all have to make decisions in life. I, in particular, have, uh, you know, arrived to the point in, in recent years where I vote with my wallet every time. And I would encourage people to do so. Brian Mud in for the great one. love in.
0: I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon 18T or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say. said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast. And you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast.
2: get attention in Washington, uh, hopefully uh, create a showdown, a constitutional crisis with the federal government that they cannot stand by and ignore
3: the law. Yeah, that is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, as he was talking about Texas now having sent three busloads of illegal immigrants to Washington. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. There are so many things that are beyond frustrating about this. Beyond all the obvious, I don't know if you've seen some of the coverage of this as they're dropped off. The Just various things that are kind of like the insult to injury. The just kind of final straw of how far gone the Biden administration is. So you get these illegals that get off the bus in D.C. And did you notice what happens? So they get their wristbands cut off because shoot, you're free to go get lost anywhere, in USA. At this point, go find yourself some good government programs and enjoy your life. So they get their, their wristbands cut off, and then what happens? They're getting handshakes. They're getting hugs. They're getting you can board an airplane without having your mask on, but we have federal officials there are hugging maskless these illegal immigrants, and uh, t- telling them, "Hey, go go enjoy life on the American." T-. This is a lot of fun, a lot of. I mean, we, we have officially arrived at the point within the Biden administration that it's not just absolute lawlessness at the border. It is not just an affront to our country's sovereignty. It's not just dereliction of duty from a national security standpoint in addition to preserving and protecting our constitution? No, it it is to the point now to where if you're a freaking illegal immigrant, you're treated better than uh, the average American. They're treated better than we are as Americans. Just remarkable. That, to me, is just kind of like the final. But good on Texas for doing that. And by the way, some of those illegal immigrants off the first bus, they're like, where are you going? Oh, we're, we're going to Miami. Our Governor Ron DeSantis here in Florida said, uh, don't come to Florida. The federal government might not uphold the law, but we do, and we will not make things comfortable for you. So that might be interesting. Hey, by the way, a programming note, we have a brand new Life, Liberty, and Live in. Sunday evening, Fox News Channel, 8 o'clock Eastern, General Jack King and David Rubin joining Mark, a show you will not want to miss on this Easter Sunday. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin.
2: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. He has been systematically dismantling the immigration system within our country. He started off by releasing those that were supposed to be detained and deported if they were committing crimes here, releasing them back into our states, into mm-hmm. our communities. He canceled the Remain in Mexico policy, started dismantling that.
3: That is the voice of Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody, as she is spot on in talking about the undermining of our country country sovereignty, our laws, our system of of governance, and putting states like mine, the free state of Florida, in the crosshairs. Because so often, these illegal immigrants go where? Wherever they want, and at your expense. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I host the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show, shortly thereafter, each weekday on W-I-O-D in Miami. Truly an honor and a pleasure every time I have the opportunity to be here. Guest hosting for the great one. And on this Good Friday, and on this Passover, and as we head towards the Easter weekend, may God bless you and your family. And I think it's as important as ever. So I was talking about the onset of the show. it's kind of had a reset button for so many of us. About the basics, about right and wrong. You know, one of the things that's come up, we have so many crises from every direction, right? The border crisis that is just endless. 1.7 million illegal immigrants over the past year. A million in just the last six months. Title 42 going away in May, and all bets are off. I mean, we hear numbers that are all over the map, but I mean, like literally we could have A million, not in six months, but in six weeks, is what we're being told. You start taking a look at all this. I mean, we've had more illegal immigration in the United States of America under Joe Biden as president thus far than the population of 11 states. It is truly remarkable what's happening here. But then what you really need to do is mask the coconuts? You know what? What? What just happened there? I'm going somewhere with this, because the Biden administration, you know, they, they certainly have their priority. We're getting rid of Title 42, right? Which is about health. It's about health. But by God, the CDC this week, what did they do? Oh, well, they certainly extended the mask policy for transportation. So, right, I mean, there there's irony in this. You now have the CDC extending mask policy to the time that Title 42 is going away. Isn't that fun? So, you can enter this country illegally. You can do whatever the heck you want at taxpayers' expense. We even send you where you want to go at taxpayer expense. But, uh, you know, the, the bigger thing here is that we really should be masking the coconuts. So... Let me explain. One of the things that I love to do with made-up public policy is illustrate the absurdity of it. So, we go back, you know, a couple months ago, and I have talked about a couple points where we can see people really waking up to the realities of, of what a joker Biden is. We all see the approval ratings, how low they are, but there are also other Pieces of data that point to people, you know, really understanding, oh, you know, that this is jacked up. And one of those uh, we had polling a couple months ago for the first time showing that a majority of Americans no longer trust the CDC. And it is sad. I mean, it really is sad that you can no longer trust these centers for disease control. But that obviously illustrates we get it. They're a, a bunch of jokers. So anyway. During the course of the pandemic. We've witnessed the unelected body of scientists in Atlanta morph into a dictatorial bureaucracy. You know, at first they, they use the science, the science, to achieve their desired outcomes in society. To abandoning the science altogether just to keep their BS policy dictates alive. But this move now by the CDC to keep the mask mandate in place on public transportation is but the latest example. Despite studies showing, air filtration systems and airplanes are the safest of any in society. I mean, notice there are no data of any problem, not at any point, any breakouts of COVID from people who are flying. You realize that? There's not one point where you point to, you know, people that were flying, even going back two years ago and go, whoa, but that, that led to you know a bunch of people getting the vid. No, not because the air filtration systems and the airplanes are that good. But, of course, we know. At all points, the virus, it really is pretty intelligent this way. If you are on an airplane and you are eating or drinking, it goes, all right, all right. I'm not going to do anything here. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until you are no longer eating or drinking. And then if you keep that mask off, by God, now I'm going to infect you. We do know that the virus is very smart that way. But anyway. We know that masks most recently have proven to be about as effective at stopping COVID's variants as the vaccines which of course is why the CDC mandates that you continue to wear them to travel and your children too or else and this takes me to the masking of the coconuts why more people have died from coconuts and tree branches falling in this country since the onset of the pandemic than children through the age of 18 due to COVID-19. I am not kidding. And for good measure, I've used CDC data for both. The funny thing is, I actually put this together over the past couple of days, and I remember covering it. I'm here in South Florida. Every once in a blue moon, you do hear about the very sad story of somebody who ends up you know, getting off to by a coconut. You have to be careful of those things. They hit hard, especially the big ones when they fall. So why well, you never a good idea to have the, the coconut bombs over walkways. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I ended up doing research. This is pre-pandemic, and I re- and I pulled CDC data. And I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, we, we do have about 500 people per year who die via the coconut or a tree branch that falls. But yes, if you go back to the onset of the pandemic, to show you what a farce. So much of this nonsense is. If you take every single CDC attributed death from birth through the age of 18, you have more people that have died over that same period of time by coconut and tree branches. So, yeah, the, the CDC should order masks for coconuts because they are far more deadly for our kids than the virus. And remember, according to the CDC, via Jensaki of the Jensaki drinking game, which i suppose we should enjoy while we can as she is desperately trying to get that gig at msnbc if your child refuses to wear a mask on an airplane well you could be prosecuted but if you have COVID 19 and you hug and kiss joe biden well that's not even considered close contact so yes mask the coconuts because it is no less effective than the latest policy and logic from the cdc which is also why we will just deliver maskless, undocumented people into your backyard at your expense. And we will no longer worry about health-related considerations. Makes all the sense in the world. By the way, I referenced um, MSNBC. Here's another, another little fun factoid for you. There are far more of you listening right now than people watching CNN Plus in a day. You hear about their new streaming service? So CNN, these people, you ever wondered if the powers that be at CNN were out of touch with reality? Their thought that people would go, yes, what I really want to do is actually pay to stream this product. So the CNN Plus streaming service that went live March 29th, it has attracted a grand worldwide audience of, drumroll, 10,000 people per day. Yeah, no kidding. If you're than 10,000 people per day, CNN Plus, that according to CNBC. So with an average audience of only around 700,000 daily viewers to the traditional product, I mean, who could have seen that coming? Who could have seen that people didn't want to pay five ninety nine dollars per month or $59.99 annually to put more of that in their lives in the form of the streaming product? And the, and the best part is this doesn't even begin to pay Chris Wallace's contract, whom they lured over from Fox News for that launch. You're kind of familiar with the question that if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, doesn't make a sound. Similar question could be asked of of CNN Plus because right now all they're doing is paying Chris Wallace and company to talk to themselves. And you you can rationalize it this way, though. I guess speaking of Ginseng and MSNBC, they are paying a lot less for Chris Wallace and company to talk to themselves than MSNBC is paying to Rachel Maddow to talk to really no one. Most of the time. So there is that. There is that. All kinds of fun to be had. Just amazing the nonsense that goes on in the media landscape. But, I mean, that's what needs to be protected. Just like Twitter and its current incarnation needs to be protected. Remarkable, remarkable people. Now, talked about the border and the busing of the illegals to D.C., one of the next fights that's getting ready to happen. So in this st- state of, of Florida, we put $12 million into our budget uh, also for relocation of illegal immigrants. Uh, it does look like we are going to have a showdown that will happen between probably Texas and Florida and the federal government over the relocation as was called by the Texas lieutenant governor, a constitutional crisis. Looks like we are maybe going to be able to force the hand of that one. That's something else uh, that we'll dive into a little bit more, along with the Hunter Biden investigation. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mudd in. We're not going to be able to handle this. And, and, and the Biden administration knows that. They know what they're going to get. They expect it. They're planning for it. And I guess this is a the result they want. This encourages even more people to come across the border, which I think is ultimately the goal here. Whatever these people background, uh, they don't care. They just want people in the country. It is remarkable, isn't it? Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton there. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, look, We know what this is about. You have Democrats playing the long game here. They believe that these are future Democrat voters and they do not care uh, about how they get from here to there. And it also, I think, is a realization about this country and as woke as they are, the only way for them to be able to secure a new base of voters is to literally illegally import them into this country. Get them set up on government programs, which has always been part of the leftist way. Get them set up on government programs and then tell them that you'll continue to give them the goodies as long as they continue to vote for them. Uh, but when you go this far to the left, this is this is the new base of the Democrat Party, the illegal immigrant. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin, one of the things wanted to get to uh, tonight, the Hunter Biden investigation, because we have had. You know, some big developments of late. And, you know, one of the biggest uh, assessment I referenced earlier, the fact that his case is going to go to trial. And so you've got Durham working on his end. But then you, you a lot of questions, and I, I get these a lot with my local shows, are congressional investigations of Hunter Biden and even like COVID origins, are they really of any use? And, you know, the, the first and most important place to start, I think, is the constitutional purpose of a congressional investigation, And in understanding the basis for for Congress to conduct investigations, because you hear Republicans running on this. We know you've got the federal investigation, but you have Republicans saying, hey, you put us in office and we will investigate as well. And so uh, I want to tie all this in together because it probably is not going to be wrapped up before the next Congress comes in in January. Right. So anyway, it kind of helps explain this element of it. And obviously the judicial branch of government. Is where your traditional law enforcement activity takes place however congress has expressed authority to conduct investigations which are quote in aid of its legislative function so in other words it's the role of congress to represent our interests so if our interests could potentially be better served through the findings of a congressional investigation you could justify it all right so that factor specifically provides the limits on its ability as well for example Congress has no lawful authority to simply decide to investigate a private citizen because there would be no broad benefit legislatively of doing so. Now, in the case of the Bidens, well, there definitely could be an effective policy understanding laws that could be crafted to attempt to inhibit the family of the vice president or now the president, as the case may be, from engaging in certain activities with foreign actors that could lead to conflicts of interest. So the next piece of the puzzle, understand the constitutional role of congressional criminal investigations as the Biden investigation in Delaware is and the congressional investigation would be. And I'll start by using an example of of how this might work. You have, like, for example, election supervisors that have the opportunity, if they detect something that is not right, they believe might have been illegal activity in voting to officially refer that no elections supervisor prosecutes a case, right? They have to refer it over to attorneys and those attorneys, those prosecutors then investigate and see through and, and bring charges if they're doing their job. Okay. So just as that is the case, This is how the process works in Congress. I mean, this side of contempt of Congress offenses, Congress must adhere to the traditional balance of powers. So should congressional investigations reveal alleged criminal conduct, it's their responsibility to refer the case to the Department of Justice for their pursuit of that congressional investigation. Now, structurally, that's what Congress can do. That is why congressional investigations do matter. But, of course, this is also where it becomes challenging for justice to be served based upon that political landscape right so let's say the republicans take control of congress and next january begin sweeping investigations into the alleged biden misfeasance which produced evidence of criminal conduct but yeah of course joe biden's still president the department of justice officials are still his appointees so obviously the cynical approach is look any congressional investigations not going to amount to a hill of beans because the biden administration is never going to prosecute itself Now, in most instances, that train of thought would probably be true. But there are two very specific reasons as to why this time it has the potential to be different. The Durham investigation into the 2016 Trump-Russia collusion con and the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden, which began in 2019. And I'm going to tie the rest of that together on the other side. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government and to report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true, and I was shocked when I read The Secret War on Cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, This war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now 800-630-1492, 800 630 or visit SwissAmerica.com.
1: Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811.
2: It's going to be like the entire population of Baltimore, Maryland, coming over one month, and the record amount of drugs and people coming in here is just overwhelming.
3: That is Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich, and uh, yeah, so the predictions about what happens when Title 42 goes away next month. Baltimore just coming across the border at once. That's fun to think about, right? Undocumented. Could be anybody from anywhere. And then at your taxpayer expense, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And one of the things as well, because you will hear so many on the left say, yeah, but yeah, but these are asylum seekers. Well, the first thing to note um, for the ones that are processed and that are, you know, bust or flown, whatever their preferred travel method happens to be, to your backyard. Because if they want to come to your backyard, then, you know, that's what our federal government under the Biden administration commonly does anymore. So uh, anyway, with that in- entire process there, one of the elements that comes into play with, with said illegals is the health component of title 42 and on the other side going to have an effort that's been undertaken congressionally to try to do something about it but for said asylum seekers there are a couple things that come into play here the first is under real asylum law as soon as you're out of the country that you're fleeing you are are not asylum eligible so basically in our southern border if there's anybody who's not from mexico they by definition the way that asylum policy is actually created there there can be no legitimate asylum seeker if canadians are trying to flee the canadian government i understand it and try to get away from trudeau i understand you can claim asylum to but i mean the, the, literally that's it because you know unless you are immediately getting onto I'm playing heading to the United States overseas, like, for example, Ukrainians that we are bringing over. Or Afghanis, that type of situation. So we already violate the asylum policy that way. But the bigger one, and this is what you know, is most people just get lost anyway. And so the actual numbers, how many that have come in under the Biden administration and have tried to enter the asylum process have proven to be lawful versus illegal. 92.3% of those who have, quote unquote, sought asylum that have actually been processed under the Biden administration are found to be illegal immigrants. Most of them, the solid majority of them just get lost. They never get in touch with federal authorities again once they get the papers and you know, get their nice cushy travel to wherever they want to go and then find their way to get on some other government programs. They just never get in touch with the feds again and they're lost. So that is the reality on the ground. So it is a fair assessment to say these people are pretty much all illegal immigrants because they are. Now, speaking of lawlessness, talking about the congressional purpose, the congressional investigations, Hunter Biden, COVID origins. I want to wrap that up real quick. So, we left off talking about how if Republicans take control of Congress and next January, they do begin sweeping investigations into the Biden misfeasance. You then have ties to two investigations that continue to move forward. We see in and at times here the progress of the Durham investigation and of the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. Now, these two investigations, they're different, but they're related. Both were initiated under the Trump administration. They produced enough evidence to retain and panel grand juries having produced three indictments thus far and even prompted news organizations now like the New York Times, and Washington Post, which lied about both for years to acknowledge at least the legitimacy of the investigations while otherwise trying to downplay them. And that becomes part of the broader point of what actually can come out of a congressional investigation. Just having no place to hide if enough evidence is produced from enough places with much of the information being publicly disclosed, whether Biden's president or not, he could ultimately be put into position to be unable to protect Hunter or himself. And I know that is a real stretch to think that, I mean, his administration would actually bring him down. But at a certain point, there's just nowhere else to go. And aside from public outrage, then you could start taking a look at justice officials themselves. Am I going to tie my career the rest of my existence to Joe Biden? Or am I going to show myself to be an honest arbiter of the law? You already see the whole reason why you have organizations like the Times and the Washington Post that are doing this is why. It's, it's CYA time. And there's also a realization that, hey, we've carried the water, but we're only going to carry the water for you so far. And this is it. You know, this this is is kind of like our line of the sand right here. We'll continue to downplay this and we'll continue to be dismissive to the extent we can. But you see how there already are the underpinnings of Biden's liberal construct starting to turn on him a bit. So that could happen even with his own Justice Department at the point where this becomes overwhelming. So for these reasons, with the Durham and Hunter Biden federal investigations are being years into their work and then promises by Republicans to investigate Hunter Biden, COVID origins, Russia collusion, they aren't necessarily just political platitudes in an election year. It really does have the potential to permanently impact public policy in addition to aiding injustice being served with all three alleged criminal conspiracies. And yes, the wheels of justice do move really slowly, but we do see that the wheels of justice at least are still moving. Are still moving. That's encouraging. All right, let's go to Hall of Fame caller Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, welcome to the show.
6: Yes, you're doing a great job. Yeah, you know, we it. are definitely in a fix. We're being attacked at all levels. The destruction of our children, it looks like. You know, this goes back many years. There was a group 30 years ago, a group called, they called themselves Queer Nation. And they said they're going to queer the nation and now thirty years later this stuff is not just now happening this has been going on for decades this is a way to destroy a country and when america gets the reputation as being gay friendly every country in the world is going to send their transgenders transsexuals and everything to america and if you deny them coming in then you're homophobic so this is all well thought out in fact Kinsey. Remember the Kinsey sex studies? Kinsey did research on human sexuality in America. He interviewed pedophiles, criminals in prison, sexual criminals, sadists. And from that, they built their theories on sexuality. And the idea when they write, they actually write that when when people are having sex, this I'll keep it clean as much as possible here. Please, when yes. people are having sex with babies, as the babies are crying and screaming, the babies mm-hmm. are actually enjoying it. They're having orgasms.
3: Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is in so.
6: Kinsey's sex research,
3: right? And I, and Jimmy, um, you know the 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 point is well taken that you have had this perversion that has been out there for some time. There has been an element, and a lot of it is the breaking down of the parental structure of a sense of morality in society and it's been happening. It's been happening. You know, as I talked about earlier in the show, we have those between the ages of 13 to 17 that are not only the most likely to identify as being gay or transsexual, but they are multiples above any studied adult an actual homosexual activity about five times the actual adult homosexual population. You have teenagers and you start taking a look at what's been happening again in the classroom. And and that's why, again, it's important to understand how all this is coming together. And yes, about all the crises that are out there, because it, it, it's all leading in one very similar direction. And that is to try to undo, you know, the great reset, the great reset, used to be this thing that was, uh, oh, you know, you know that's just that conspiracy theory out there. Well, shoot, you go back a couple of years ago in Davos, the World Economic Forum, they started the World Economic Forum with the use of the pandemic as the time to enter the Great Reset. And you're you're not going to get the Great Reset if you don't have the reset of the United States of America. That's why we are the top target in all of these different respects. And it's very much what the woke left is trying to do. They are trying to invalidate our Constitution. They are absolutely engaged in lawlessness in so many different respects. They're trying and have been for some time playing the long game in education to break down a a sense of right and wrong. And to end up sowing the seeds of distrust for the founding of this country and to say that it's illegitimate. All these various different things. Let's go to Michael in Detroit. Michael, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I worked in the medical field for 30 years, and I can tell you that these radical surgeries or even hormonal therapy, you know, gender reassignment surgery or bilateral mastectomies on teenage girls, uh, you have to have a specific diagnosis like uh, metastatic breast cancer in an adult or something to have radical surgeries like this. There's no uh, diagnosis, legitimate diagnosis, gender dysphoria is not um, a, a legitimate diagnosis neither is gender identity disorder these are refuted right. by the subtle science of, of uh, child development 101 and if you have to have indications for these kinds of surgeries and procedures any procedure and if they're using the indication of they're trying to reduce the rates of uh, Uh, clinical depression and suicide, those rates go up enormously after these kinds of surgeries. This is medical malpractice. This is a violation of the Hippocratic Oath. Now there's lawsuits, uh, especially in Sweden, where parents were were suing the government who were financing these kinds of surgeries. I I don't know what the outcome is, but that's what they need to start doing here. This is medical malpractice on an incredible scale. This is Dr. Mangala medical malpractice as far as I'm concerned.
3: No, well said. I mean, it's right in point. Appreciate the call, Michael. Uh, And and to your point, you know, same as we in recent years would have some in the education establishment that would push. First, it was birth control, but then perhaps even abortions, uh, that type of situation. Kids can make those decisions without their parents. Right. Well, now you're also having the same type of discussions and the same types of, of policies that are being worked on in that similar direction to where, you know, if you have a teenager, it doesn't matter that they're a minor. If they are now going to decide that they want to engage in some type of medical outcome, well, they have a right to do that. And we, the the schools, you know, we can know what goes on here, but the parents, they don't necessarily have to know what the Parental rights aren't a thing, which again is why Florida took policy. It's that is all part of the next leg of all of this different policy everything that has been in motion to try to undermine the greater construct and what you referenced as well so it reminds me of something that i've i've shared on this show previously and as i started with a bit of a a faith-based message in this show as it is good friday passover easter weekend coming up and you have harvard that conducted a study this was back in 2018 where they took a look at society, and specifically mental health issues and where they arose. So if you go back to, and I I pinpoint this to the incarnation of the Department of Education in 1980, the study starts in 1980, but what what really changed in society then, and with young people in particular? Well, it's the first year of the Department of Education. So the Department of Education sees to it that God is removed from schools. You have a generation of kids that grow up in that society. Well, think about you know, a lot of what happened, Columbine, you know, so you, you get that far into the 90s. And now we have the first generation of kids that are raised with the Department of Education. And that's when school stu- shootings start. You take a look within the data and at the time of the incarnation of the Department of Education. You had six percent of a, a society that said they did not believe in faith, did not believe in God of, of some sort. Now we are up to around 26%. What was interesting in the Harvard study as well was that mental health issues rose. I mean, you can draw a straight line between the those who lack belief in anything and those who have mental health issues. Part of the conclusion of their study, those who are the most engaged, those that are raised with faith and those that are the most engaged with it, the most likely to be happy, most likely to have the um, the lowest risk for mental health related issues, most likely to help others. Funny how that works, isn't it? It's almost like there's something to it. And of course, when you remove it and you have that rise, we see all the inverse. So as we have over a quarter of society now with those that are youngest, the most likely to say, yeah, I don't believe in God or, you know, have any any belief beyond, you know, what I what I see on the on this earth. Then you see all the other problems that have entered society. And it's also how, you know, we have had the long game being played in the education establishment. It's why it all starts there, and it's why we can never let go of what is happening inside the classroom. So, why we've got to be engaged now more than ever before with our kids. Brian Mud in for the great one. Mudd
1: in.
2: Our kids are dying. People are dying in America as a result of the the amount of fentanyl and methamphetamine coming into our country.
3: That is true. That's Arizona Attorney General Mark Bravinovich. And the thing about that is, that is what Republicans are going to be working on in terms of crafting policy in Congress on Title 42. So fentanyl is a public health emergency. And the southern border is where it's coming through. Important, important policy. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And we talk about a lot of things that are not great in our society for all the obvious reasons. Look, elections have consequences. We made really bad decisions. You had people that went, you know what, record prosperity and, you know, record... Low unemployment rates pre pandemic for every minority. We don't want that because we don't like those Trump tweets. I mean, you had people that actually, in the name of of Trump tweets, gave us this guy. Okay. So bad votes, bad jokes, bad decisions. Elections have consequences. That said, this Good Friday, it's a tradition uh, here in South Florida, the centennial. for an organization known as the Caring Place, the uh, Miami Rescue Mission Broward Outreach Center, just want to share a real quick story with you about over a thousand homeless people came off the streets, received clothing today, received uh, medical treatment, had their feet washed, Thanksgiving style meal. You see, people have an opportunity to have their lives transformed because they're given an opportunity by somebody else. And so on this Good Friday, on this Passover, this Easter weekend, there's a lot of good that we can focus on. But we have to be right with ourselves and in the right place generally. And I mentioned early in the show that if you're going to err, err on the side of God. You see, a lot of what we talked about tonight and a lot of the problems in society, it's because we've been erring on the other side. You might be afraid to mention the word or stand up for your beliefs. It's not working. If we err on the side of God, I promise you, because I've seen it, things get better. May God bless. Brian mud in for the great one, Mark Levin.